For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer. Is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes... You know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. baby welcome in friday early friday edition of new york new york with yours truly jj john jastrzemski moving and shaking rocking and rolling right here on the ringer podcast network happy opening day one and all and there are certain traditions that you expect the mets winning on opening day no matter who may be on the mound ends up being one of those annual rites of passage. In fact, we probably should have bet the Mets and we should have hammered the Mets every which way. It didn't matter if there was no Jacob DeGrom. It didn't matter that Max Scherzer was pushed to Friday's Apple TV broadcast. Mets went on opening day. And when you combine that with the lowly Washington Nationals, who are absolutely going to stink this year, let's call it like it is, outside of Juan Soto, outside of Nelson Cruz, there is just nobody in that lineup that scares you. And the Mets do exactly what they needed to do to start the year. Look, big winner today for me is Tyler McGill. McGill was absolutely sensational. Worked out of trouble. Had the big strikeout of Juan Soto. Gets the big double play when he needs it. For an opening day to give you five scoreless, three hits, striking out six. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous job from Mr. McGill. I know. It's weird, right? Like, you wouldn't have expected... McGill, opening day starter, hero. It just sounds weird. Doesn't seem like that's something that should be flowing off the tongue. But it was a good day if you're a Met fan. Listen, everything went basically as well as it could have. 
I mean, you got more Canada getting big hits. McNeil, you hope that's a sign of him looking like the hitter he was in 2018 and 2019, not the Jeff McNeil that we saw for a majority of last year. That's why I was adamant I wanted McNeil on this team. Too much versatility, not enough Jeff McNeils throughout the modern game. I wanted him on this team. And how about Cano? Cano with a couple of hits. He drops down a bunt. Cano's going to hit, folks. I'm telling you, he is going to hit. I don't know what his specific role on this team is going to be. I don't know how much he's going to DH. I don't know how much he's going to play second. Maybe you see him at first from time to time. But two years ago in the 60-game season, Robbie Cano, flat out rake. Steroids or no steroids? Cano, flat out rake. There's a place for him in this Met lineup. He even got good work out of the Met bullpen tonight. May gives up a bomb to Soto that still hasn't landed. But Adovino throws the scoreless inning. Lugo throws the scoreless inning. Diaz, even though he puts a runner on, throws the scoreless inning. Really good start for the Mets. Listen, very simple for the Mets. This weekend, small picture, go in three out of four games. The Nationals are god-awful. They are a bad, bad baseball team. Go and win three out of four games. And I'm pumped to see Scherzer on the mound tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. Going up against this old team, fierce competitor, and you'll wonder, three Mets got hit tonight. Marte was not happy about it. Max Scherzer maybe throwing a little chin music, sticking up for his new teammates in his first start. Hey, something to think about. Something to think about. Small picture this weekend, go beat up a terrible national team. And that's something you should do all season long. The bigger picture, though, for the Mets, and I've said this for quite a while, you got to be a playoff team. With the manager they brought in, with the ace that they brought in, with these new hitters they've brought in, you saw what Canna and Escobar and Marte bring to the table. They should be a much more dynamic Met team. You've got to be flirting in October baseball. I know you got to weather the storm without the Grom. I know that's going to be problematic. Well, the guy's got to step up. Maybe it's Tyler Miguel. Maybe he will have the opportunity to do so. Maybe we look at him as like an opening day anomaly. You never know. Remember some past heroes of opening days. Does the name Kaz Matsui ring a bell? Just saying. Just saying. So you never know. But all in all, it was a great day for the match. You could not have drawn up opening day any better. Now, Friday. I like the way this worked out where you basically have the Yankees and the Mets split up from an opening day perspective. We will be out at Yankee Stadium tomorrow afternoon, and I think it's rather fitting that it will be Garrett Cole and the Yankees up against the team that knocked them out of the postseason back in October. Last time I was in a ballpark, I saw Garrett Cole get absolutely shellacked, and he got knocked out of the game by the third inning. Bogarts, boom. Schwaber, boom. Red Sox Nation going nuts. I was sick. It was a terrible feeling to have in the ballpark. Terrible, terrible feeling. For Garrett Cole, look, I know he's going to win a ton of games. I know he's going to be a horse. I know he's going to be an ace throughout the regular season. All of that is true. There's no debating. For Garrett Cole, though, to live up to his salary, he's got to beat the Boston Red Sox, the Toronto Blue Jays, and the Tampa Bay Rays. That needs to happen. And let's be fair about this. Garrett Cole last year was not good enough against those teams. He stunk at Fenway Park. He was not good enough against Tampa Bay. He was not particularly good against the Blue Jays. They need Garrett Cole to be that guy. Is one opening day start going to define that? Of course not. But 
It's something that you want to see. And Cole's first two starts of the year, coincidentally enough, Red Sox, Blue Jays, right out of the gate of Yankee Stadium. This is why you're getting paid the bushels of money. And the Yankees, let's see that revamped new look offense. Avaldi is always giving them fits. I would expect, and they announced that Donaldson's leading off, which I don't have a problem with. He gets on base, sees pitches, you balance out the rest of your lineup. I don't have a huge deal with Donaldson leading off. I think Hicks will sit tomorrow. I think you will see the jumbo package in the outfield of Gallo, Judge, and Stanton. And I think you will see LeMayu either DHing or they'll mix and match. Maybe Donaldson's DHing, something along those lines. But I do think DJ will be in there on opening day. Look, the Yankees are a better team. The question is, how much better are the Yankees? This American League East is a gauntlet. Toronto's really good. Tampa's really good. Boston has Alex Cora, and they mash. They're not going to be a pushover. Yankees got off to a terrible, terrible, terrible start last year. They can't have that this year. I want to see a sense of urgency out of this team from the get-go. We'll see if that's the case. I'm looking forward to the bodega festivities. I mean, I really won't be partaking much. I'm too busy a day. I got to do TV. I'm doing something on the pregame for MLB uh, with the Apple TV before Mets National. So I got to be on my best behavior at the bodega. But if you're at Yankee Stadium, you're at the bodega, come say hello. We'll be rocking and rolling. And remember, after the game, after I get back from the Bronx, hopefully that's within an hour, give or take, I will be hopping on Green Room. We will post our Green Room as a podcast, live reaction to Yankees, Red Sox opening day. Maybe a a little look ahead to the Masters and a little Mets as well. Now, speaking of the Masters, Tiger freaking Woods. I know you look at the leaderboard. There's some other names out there. Scheffler had a good day. Dustin Johnson had a good day. Holy moly. Tiger Woods, a year after they were talking about the idea that he would not be able to walk again, or at least that was a possibility, for him to be back on a golf course under par at Augusta, it's remarkable. It's why Tiger is Tiger. It's why Tiger transcends golf. Tomorrow, as I am at Yankee Stadium, Yes, I'll be monitoring my beaks, baseball, other golfers, Willie Zelliot, tourists, give or take. But guess what? What's the main event? Is Tiger legitimately in this thing? I don't know how his body is going to hold up, quite frankly, over four days. But the fact that we're talking about Tiger Woods going into Friday at Augusta, under par, insane. Absolutely insane. And that was the story of the golf. Now, One note before we hit some voicemails. The Net-Nick game the other night was the most predictable script ever. Give Stephen A. Smith credit because he nailed it. I was into that 75th broadcast. I loved it. I mean, I got geeked out by that shit. They had DeWalton, they had Morv Albert, they had Bob Costas, they're playing the NBC music that I grew up on. I loved it. And I even loved the Big O and Kareem because I'm into that Lakers show right now. So, like, I was... uh, That's the perfect backdrop for me for that sort of game because my Knicks are out of it. Okay? And maybe the Net fan doesn't want that. Listen, Ein's the best. But I had Brittany Van Gundy and Jackson talking to all those guys. I was in. I didn't even know they were doing it until I saw a Marshan tweet about it. And I was like, oh, I'm in. Sign me up. But the game was the least predictable, uh, the most predictable game ever from a Knicks perspective. Big lead, flush it down the toilet. Neither here nor there. Knicks are done. We'll talk about them in the offseason. The Nets, 42 and 38. Chance to get to that seven. It's important to stay in that seven eight game because then you could basically advance right into the first round. You don't got to fool around with any of these plans. Brooklyn, final two games. Cavaliers, 
right there with them. Game you got to win. Six and a half point favorite. Cavs trending in the wrong direction. You got to win these next two games if you're Brooklyn. And they're playing Indiana Sunday at 3.30. Significant. Are the Nets going to advance beyond the playing regardless? Yes. Do you want to be put in a position where you have to play more games when you don't need to? When you know a team like Milwaukee more likely than not is staring you in the face? Please, go and win these two games. If I'm going to take the Nets seriously as a team that could win in the first round, you can't be fooling around with the Cavaliers and the Pacers. It's as simple as that. That's my edict to the Nets. Go win two games. Case closed. All right, loaded show. Voicemails right out of the gate. Adam Pally, who is super funny, really cool dude. New Yorker, New York sports fan. He's going to be in Sonic the Hedgehog 2. We'll have him, so we'll go a little Hollywood on you. A little trivia. Jeff Money. It's the usual show. Two for the price of one on a Friday. All right, some voicemails. They're coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Viore. If you're sick and tired of your old traditional workout gear, then I have two words that will change everything. Viore clothing. This line of active wear is truly unbelievable. And here's why. Look, you've seen me. You've seen the shorts I do on YouTube. I walk around. I do stuff. I listen to podcasts when I walk. I make calls when I walk. I like to wear comfortable workout equipment, you know? Like, nothing nuts. Just like a really nice pullover. Comfortable pants to walk around. Viore is designed to work out in whatever you're doing, but it doesn't look or feel like you're working out at all. It's so freaking soft and comfortable, you'll never want to take it off. And here's the best part. You don't have to take it off. Wear Viore clothing to train, travel, or lounge around the house. I do a lot of lounge around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash ringer. V-U-O-R-I dot com. Slash ringer. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, voicemail time. Let's hear them. 917-382-1151. Remember, after the Yankee game tomorrow, probably around 6 o'clock, give or take, Spotify Green Room, your calls, your reaction, we'll be rocking, we'll be rolling, and if you miss it, we'll post it as a pod. But we will have you covered. Reaction to Yankees, Red Sox every which way. Banger of an opener for the New York Mets. I don't like seeing Lindor striking out a bunch, but he did have an RBI hit. Want to get Lindor going. Another guy who's a must. Mets are going to be a big team this year. They need a monster year out of Frankie. All right, voicemail. Steph, let's hear him. What's good, JJ? It's Pete in Westchester here, man. It's been a little while, but I wanted to give a ring and, and call in and, and wish you, first of all, a happy one-year anniversary of the podcast. Um, you know, it's been it's been a really great listen, you know, this last year. It's great to have you. Uh, you know, again, like I said, I think on my first ever call, it's great to to listen to all the sun's out. So, uh, you know, man, congrats on a great first year and looking forward to, to more to come. Uh, so it's about 6.30 on Thursday night. You know, we should be watching the Yankees and, and Red Sox uh, kicking off in, a, in 30 minutes or so from now. But this this absolutely brutal New York spring has had something else to say about it. So a little frustrated, but um, at least we got the Mets, you know, <laughs> some New York baseball better than nothing. So I might have to turn that on just to wet the whistle a little bit. But just calling about a couple things that are on my mind here. Um, first of all, I'm going to start with, uh, with Aaron Judge. I mean, to me, it's a little disappointing that he's not, he's not signed to an extension at this point. And obviously this could change, you know, probably in the evening, maybe, you know, by the time this releases or what have you, it's done. But, you know, at this point, it's frustrating to me. You know, this is a guy you want to play hardball with. This is, you know, the face of your franchise after an offseason, which, you know, I think most Yankee fans would say was, was, was subpar or disappointing at best. You know, we didn't go for the big guys. We didn't get Correa. We didn't get Story. You know, our big acquisition was, I guess taking on the money of Josh Donaldson. 
So, you know, after all that, you're not going to reward your hometown guy, a fan favorite with, you know, what he, what he's asking for is it's frustrating. And I guess you could say, okay, well, maybe they're going to approach it like a prove it year. They're going to say, all right, you know, Aaron, you've been injury prone. You've broken down a few times. You know, let's see how this year goes. And I do get that. But is that really the message you want to send to the guy who's going to hopefully lead your team for the next six, seven years? So I get it from a business perspective, but on the emotional human side, it's annoying, man. It really is. And next, I guess, next point real quick is on Hal Steinbrenner. I feel like Hal Steinbrenner approaches this team, you know, it's not like he doesn't have to spend. He feels like he does it to appease Yankee fans. You know, he probably hangs out with some of the owners who run smaller payrolls, and he looks at it as, you know what, I spend 250 whatever it is, as a goodness of my heart. You know, I don't have to, but I do it because, you know, I'm throwing you guys a bone. So I don't know if there's anything to that. That's a pretty probably pretty hot take, but, you know, I've just been thinking about that, and, you know, the way the guy approaches the game is just totally not like his dad. It's kind of more like, yeah, you know, we're the Yankees, so I guess I have to spend, but if it was up to me, I really wouldn't. So just, yeah, man. So I guess, hey, you know, it's opening day. Hope springs eternal for us tomorrow. Trying to stay positive. Not thrilled with the offseason, but, you know, 2022 Yankees. Here we go. All right, man. As always, thanks a lot, and talk to you soon. I appreciate it, Pete. And do not be surprised if we're talking tomorrow and you get word before the game, or maybe it's this weekend that Aaron Judge has a contract extension. The Guardians just locked up Jose Ramirez. By the way, it was weird just saying that. I'm glad I got a right, to be honest with you. But he's back in Cleveland. I think that's the framework that you're looking at from a judge contract. The Yankees are not going to let Aaron Judge go. I know it's frustrating. I know it can be annoying. Because, listen, the Yankees not going the extra mile in free agency. You're like, oh, they got to take care of their guy. They got to make sure he's back in the fold. Just ask yourself this question. When the Yankees have wanted somebody back, Who's the guy they've lost? I mean, you tell me the guy that they have lost that they want it back. does not happen to the Yankees, at least with their own. Hal, I think it's pretty simple. He spends to a point. He's a businessman. He wants to win. Does he want to win as much as his dad? The answer to that question is no. But listen, those frustrations out the window. They are what they are now going into the year. I think it's a good team. I think it's a playoff team. I'm not sold this at championship caliber team. All right, who's next? Hey, JJ, Sean at the Beach House in Belmar. Just wanted to ask you what you think, uh, just as a better and a New York fan, about the widespread acceptance that the Toronto Blue Jays are just automatically going to win the AL East. Now, I love their top four hitters, and they, you can tell me they're all going to the Hall of Fame. That's fine. But after those top four guys, I'm not as impressed by Goriel. I don't love their catchers. I'm happy Gritchick's out of there. He was a Yankee killer. Tapia and Biggio, and eh. Matt Chapman is, you call Joey Gallo a stiff. Matt Chapman's a poor man's Joey Gallo. Look at Matt Chapman's actual numbers. They've gone down every year he's been in the league. He was a terrible player last year offensively. Um, and their rotation, I mean, the only guy in the entire division who's a legitimate ace is Cole. They're coming at us with guys like Gaussman coming back to the American League, leaving that giant ballpark in San Francisco in that terrible division. Uh, he's got to come back to these band boxes and pitch here. They got Ryu, who doesn't scare me. They got Kikuchi, who doesn't scare me. They got Barrios, who's got a beautiful curveball. Eight or nine times a year, it's going to be unhittable. His other 20 starts, he's average. Uh, they got a good closer, and they got Manoa. Now, Manoa, though, I mean, he looked like a beast last year, but a guy that big, 6'6", 
260-270. That's just an injury or a sophomore slump waiting to happen. I know they look good on paper. I know run differential and all this. Uh, I'm more worried about the Red Sox and the Rays. I think any time a team gets this much hype, it's a setting up for failure. They don't run the bases well. They don't catch the ball well. Why is everybody anointing the Toronto Blue Jays? Thank you, Jay. It's a fair point. And I've been very bullish on the Blue Jays. Been a big believer in the Blue Jays. I was talking about the Blue Jays, I remember, last year. They're really good. I think they're getting a little too much love. Do I think that narrative that's out there is somewhat overhyping the Toronto Blue Jays a little bit? Yeah, I do. I think that pitching outside of Barrios is not as good as people are making it out to be. How's Kevin Gaussman going to handle going back to the American League? I think that's a question. Kikuchi, I think he's a solid 3-4. Like, let me put it this way. I, for one, do not see that much difference between the Yankee rotation and the Toronto Blue Jay rotation. You want to tell me Toronto's is a little deeper? You could sell me on that. I don't see that much of a difference. Cole Barrios, I'm going to take Cole. Better be taking Garrett Cole for the amount of money the Yankees paying him. I think the difference between the Blue Jays and the Yankees, the way I see it right now, the Blue Jays lineup, I know what I'm getting. I know Guerrero Jr. is a stud. I know that Bo Bichette is a stud. I know when Springer's on the field, he's unbelievable. Now, they lost Marcus Simeon. That's a big loss for the Toronto Blue Jays and Robbie Ray. When I made predictions, I didn't pick the Yankees to win this division. I didn't pick Toronto to win this division. I picked the team that won the division a year ago to go and do it again. Because again, guess what? People are foolishly sleeping on the Tampa Bay Rays. Foolishly. Who's next? Hey, JJ. Scott from Hoboken. Let's go next. This goes out to all the bing bong bozos who at the beginning of the year were asking KD whether or not he regretted not coming to the Knicks. How are you feeling now after the Brooklyn Nets just swept you out of the garden for the second consecutive season and the closest thing you've had to a star in years is on his way out of town after cursing out the fans and throwing temper tantrums all season? I will fully admit that it's been a roller coaster of a year for the Nets, but maybe, just maybe, they're getting hot at just the right time. KD and Kyrie are the best duo in the league and superstars win in the NBA. If by any chance we get Simmons back, his defensive presence alone will easily put us atop the Eastern Conference. And by the way, since you can't talk about the Nets without mentioning the size of our fan base, I've been hearing a lot of Brooklyn chants at MSG lately. Hard to hold on to your beloved fans when you lose all the time. Nets world. Listen, you kitty. I-, I can't really talk any smack when it comes to my Knickerbockers and the year that they've had and the year that Julius Randle has had and the 0-4 performance against Brooklyn and two meltdowns against Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I can't really respond to that particular point. Uh, my one... Warning to you. The idea as a Nets fan that I am pounding my chest and I am tooting my own horn when the team went 42 and 38 this year in the regular season. Let's let's cool the Jets a little bit on that. You want to come at me if they go and beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round? Well, I'll be ready to listen. I'll be there for it. I'll be accountable. But the idea that I'm going to hear a Nets fan talk all sorts of shit when a team is four games over 500 and they're playing in a dopey NBA playing game, give me a break. We get it. The Knicks had a disastrous year. The Nets have championship or bust written all of them. Did the Knicks come anywhere close to that? Come on. Come on. So win in the playoffs and then pay it forward. That'd be my friendly advice. I love you, but that's my friendly advice. Last but not least, then we got some trivia action. Hey, JJ. This is Jace from the Bronx. Um, 
I'm disappointed. I, I, I sat there and I was like, I put money on, on Gonzaga and I put a little bit of money on Villanova. I sat there. I looked at Kansas. I really looked hard at Kansas and I didn't put any money on Kansas. And here I am right now. But, um, anyways, it wasn't anything that was going to like, um, alter my life, but you know, I, I should have listened to you in the Super Bowl. I should have listened to you with the, uh, NCAA tournament. So it's pretty good. Um, a non-sports question. So I, so I hear that you run, which is great. And also that you're running a half in Brooklyn. I'm assuming that's the Brooklyn half, uh, I think sometime in May. Um, so do you run with any run crews, uh, out in, uh, out in New York City? I, um, I myself run with a Bronx run crew. So. I was just curious. Um, also, are you running for um, any specific time? Anyway, JJ, thank you very much, and uh, happy one-year anniversary. Love the podcast. Well, I appreciate the love right there. Um, yeah, our future bets have been red hot. We hit the Braves in baseball. We hit the Rams in the NFL. We hit Kansas in college basketball. So you might want to get invested in the Chicago White Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the San Diego Padres. Just a little food for thought in Major League Baseball. You might want to get in on all three of those. Um, I run by myself. I'm running the Brooklyn half. It's the NYC runs the uh, Brooklyn half. That's at the end of April. To me, it's a little bit of a cool run because you're not just running down Ocean Parkway for a mile. Um, I'm not running for a specific time. I just want to finish the race. Now, I ran 10 miles a week ago. I was doing like 8.10, 8.05. I just want to finish the race. Start to finish. I want to finish the race, and then I want to drink a ton of beers afterwards. That's what I want to do. Hopefully, we'll raise some money. We'll try to figure out a way to do that. Um, and I run by myself. I can't imagine running with a crew. But, you know, you seem like a nice enough guy. I'd go for a run with you. I don't think we'd be talking Yankees and Mets, though. I mean, I'd be exhausted after a mile. Come on, with the way I work, no shot. Trivia time. All right. We had a little resurgence last week with the trivia. Now, it's time to get back on the horse and do so in a big way. Larry, the floor is yours. Best in the business, Larry in Florida. Two baseball tonight for you. Name the only two San Diego Padres to lead the National League in home runs. The second one is there are three MLB teams never to have an to have an MVP. Name the three teams. I'm out. All right, Larry. Two excellent questions. Two Padres to lead the league in home runs. I know one right off the top of my head got to be Ken Caminiti. Wow. And I was very, very confident in saying that, too. Very, very confident. You know, I was going to say Greg Vaughn, but Greg Vaughn hit a ton of home runs. The McGuire and Sosa hit 10 zillion. So he's out. Jeez. Caminiti. I said that with, like, such confidence. I was ready for the, the, the flex, the mic drop. Damn, that really shook my confidence. Really, really shook my confidence. It's not Ken Kameny. Great San Diego Padres. Home run hitters. Guys who would lead the league in home runs. Here's one. Adrian Gonzalez. Oh, and I felt... 
I, I, you know, I actually feel really good about these answers, and I'm just flat out whiffing. All right, I'm giving two more, and I'm waving the white flag. Phil Nevin. I mean, I'm giving you, like, every home run hitter from the Padres known to man. All right, I got one more guess, and then I'm waving the white flag. Dave Winfield. Dave Winfield had to lead the league at home runs once. Did he? Oh, my God. Stefan, did I watch these guys play? Yes, you definitely watch these guys play. Both of these guys. I watched both of these guys play. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. You're overthinking it also. I'm overthinking it. Yes. Overthinking. Interesting. I watched them play. Tatis? Okay, there you go. That's one of y'all. You know, I was like digging through the back wall and I'm like trying to think of, you know, guys from like 15, 20 years ago or even like 30 years ago. And I'm forgetting, you know, one of the biggest superstars in baseball. All right, so that's one. The other one. It's not Chase Headley, is it? I know he had one random really good year for the Padres. And then the rest of these basically Padres tenures stunk. So don't overthink it is your hint. And I've seen him play. Within the last 10 years, Stefan. This guy played about 30 years ago. 30 years. You know, I think I randomly know this. Is it Benito San Diego? Mm. All right, I'm taking one more guess. I'm taking one more guess. Because of the 30-year time frame. And I don't really think of this guy as a San Diego Padre. Is it the crime dog Fred McGriff? You know what? I- I'm going to take that as a W, folks. I'm going to take it as a W. Because I had a really grind there. And, you know, it could have been a little quicker. But sometimes it's about the journey and it's about the process. So, I- I- you know what? I didn't even need a hint, Stefan, if we're being serious. I didn't even need a hint. Yeah, you kind of, you-, you fought through it on your own there. I grinded it out. You know, it's like five innings, four runs, but you come away with a W. That was me right there. Five innings, four runs, but I came away with a W. All right. Second question from Larry. Three teams without an MVP. Three teams without an MVP. Team one, the Tampa Bay Rays. One down, two to go. I was going to throw in the other expansion team, the Miami Marlins, but that would be an incorrect answer because Giancarlo Stanton was a Miami Marlin MVP. Number two, the New York Mets. Two down, one to go. That is pretty remarkable that the Mets have never in their franchise's history had anyone to go and win the MVP award. Pretty wild. That is pretty, pretty wild. Then the last one. Hmm. The Colorado Rockies. 
Oh, man. I felt so good about that answer, too. I guess Larry Walker probably won one of the MVP awards with Todd Helton. It's probably Larry Walker. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. I felt great about that. Super, super great. There's one other team. I'm like thinking about like 70s and beyond baseball teams because they're more than likely to get it. I think the Nationals had Harper win it. Yeah, Harper won it in 15, so they're not a correct answer. Hmm. Cubs obviously have one with Ernie Banks, and I think Bryant won an MVP as well. Padres, King Caminiti won an MVP. That's out. The third one, Stefan. The Texas Rangers. Mm. No, that's wrong. That was, that was my worst guess of the day because Pudge Rodriguez won an MVP that I thought Jeter should have gotten in 1999. So uh, that, that was a bad, bad choice by me. And A-Rod. Dog, A-Rod won an MVP with the Rangers on a terrible Ranger team. All right, I'm taking one more guess at this. I'm taking one more guess. Stefan, would you say it's an older franchise or no? Uh, somewhat of a newer franchise. Yeah, newer franchise. Newer franchise. Okay. Newer franchise. I'm like going through the teams in my head. I'm like, who could it be? Who could it be? Who could it be? The Houston Astros. All right, you got me. You got me, Larry. Two out of three ain't bad. Who's the last team? The Diamondbacks. Oh, that's a, yeah, you know what? I was about to give myself praise. Praise. For my trivia performance, that goes out the window. That's embarrassing. I get the raids and I forget the stupid Diamondbacks. Brutal. You know what? I'm giving myself a C plus for today. We got some right answers, but you know what? We, we, we missed some golden opportunities. We'll do better next week. I promise. We'll do better next week. Oh, man. How the hell did I forget the Arizona Diamondbacks? That pisses me off. All right. Adam Pally, who has a very interesting story. Comedian. Now actor, he's been in a bunch of stuff, TV. He's going to be in the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie. He was in the first one. He's going to be in the second one. He's tight with that whole crew. He's a funny guy. Big New York sports fan, too. So I figured it'd be perfect time to have him on the pod, promote the movie, and talk some shop. Adam Pally, up next. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And 1, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. 
Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. So I always love seeing New Yorkers do big things. This guy, all over TV, all over the movies, is going to be in Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I'm very intrigued to pick his brain a little bit because he's been a part of some projects that like, they kind of like jump off the page of me. Adam Pally, thanks for a few minutes, man. Welcome to New York, oh, New York. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I I live where you are, but I'm not there right now, but I live here. So it's Oh, uh, nice whereabouts in New York, out of curiosity? I live in Harlem. Oh, so you're, you're, you're okay, you're, uh, you're a four-train kind of guy, you're a west side kind of guy? West side. I got, the one, I got the one. All right, so you're on that less one, two, three line. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. Have you been a New Yorker through and through throughout your life? Um, pretty much. I, I, uh, had a couple brief stints outside when I was young. Uh, my parents moved to Chicago for five years and I grew up in Skokie, Illinois, which is why my accent is such a hot mess. You don't, yeah, uh, I was going to say, you don't have like the coffee and the dog and the water like I do. Sometimes I do. Oh, and sometimes it so- comes out. Okay. Yeah. And then sometimes I also have a Midwestern accent, which is really odd. So it's like, you know, it, it's just a, it's a, it's a dumpster fire of, uh, of an accent. And, um, and then I spent 10 years living in Los Angeles, um, and having children and stuff. And I moved back about five years ago. Tremendous. It's good to have you back. I see the Thank career you. is obviously doing very well. I, love, I <laughs> okay. love asking guys and gals who are in showbiz this question. Yeah. You guys obviously have to put your time in. You have to pay your dues. You have to like work your way up the food chain, if you will. Mm-hmm. When was the moment for you when mm-hmm. you kind of felt like, all right, we're, we're really, we're, we're moving here. We feel like our, our career is starting to like take off. Was there like a like pinpoint moment for you where that kind of was a realization? Um, I'm going to give a, a kind of like, I hope it's not too like heady answer, but I think what I want to say is um, I've never had that feeling that I've always been like just plugging along and like trying to do the next thing and just keep working and doing funny stuff. But I think that would be a little dishonest to like truly, I feel like that seems like an actor like being modest. So I think that that if I'm really going to be honest, I will say I have had that feeling every step of the way from the moment I started. Because even when I was like 19 at the Upright Citizens Brigade, it's like you would work really hard and you would learn the craft and you would take a year to get good or two years to get decent. And then you'd get put on a house team. And that to me felt like we're really start. Hey, here we go. We're moving. You know, even though I wasn't getting paid, no one knew who I was. No one even knew the work. But then it was like, oh, I I have a, a, a... a comedy show that made it into the Montreal comedy festival with, with Ben Schwartz it was like, Oh, okay. Now we're really moving. You know, meanwhile, we're like 23. We don't know what we're doing. and Not getting paid again, <laughs> you know? And it's like, so I, I think the honest answer is that I have always felt that way that each job is so fun and important to me that I, I feel like it's going to be the one. So did a little digging, did a little research, did not realize you were on Californication for a couple episodes. <laughs> Early on, yes. I did not yes. know that. I did not I know believe, that. Now, that is one of I my favorite my, shows. I my love that show. My character was called Hollywood Douche. Nice. <laughs> yes, yes. 
Um, yeah, no, it was great. I love that show. And everyone was so nice. And uh, I was cast by uh, the great uh, Beth McCarthy Miller in that, um, in those episodes. And that was like, to me, I was a comedy nerd. And I was in New York at the time. And, and she was, she had directed most of the 30 Rocks. And so it was like, and she'd been at Saturday Night Live and stuff. So the, the, the um, chance to, that she saw me and wanted me on the show was like the, a huge thing for me. Okay. So you're working your way up through your career. And, mm. you know, I know if I were in your position, I would definitely get starstruck. Like there would be a moment on set where I'd be like, holy shit, I'm working with so-and-so mm -hmm. or I'm doing this, mm -hmm. I'm doing that. When did that happen for you? If it did. Um, again, I think it always happened. I think it, it I, 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 think I mean, you work with Jim Carrey in the Sonic movie, for goodness sake. Like that, that yeah, alone, yeah. I'd be like, oh, I'm working with Ace Ventura. Holy shit. Yeah, that was, that was super cool. Um, you know, I've worked, I've worked with almost ev everyone that I've, you know, there are obviously people I want to work with, but like my list is, is really long and I, and I've worked with a lot of great people. And, and I honestly, like similar to the other answer, like I had that same feeling, like the first time I got to do, uh, like the main stage and improvise with Seth Morris or Paul Shear, Jason Manzukis, it gave me the same feeling as when I did my first scene with Robert De Niro. You know, it was like, I, I just have always felt that way that it's like, I, I do feel starstruck. I, 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 and I'm awkward and terrible in front of that, all these people, but I, you know, I feel like I'm earnest about it and, and honest about it. And, and kind of am who I am and it put and it and it lets if you're who you are then they feel comfortable because they're who they are do you have a favorite role that you've had in your career a favorite role um uh I you know Max from Happy Endings is super complex uh especially now like it's it's um but I enjoy that and I'm mo probably most proud of that role for what it was at the time um and I got to do it the longest, I think. And I, and it, so I think I, I became like, I, I knew that character the best in a weird way. Um, and then, um, you know, I think the most fun, one of the most fun things I've done was the Mandalorian with, which with was so Bugs. badass, dude. Yeah. So badass. Cool. So did you cool. always wonder with like Star Wars stuff post, you know, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, yeah. Princess Leia, like, Outside are they the going to screw up the mojo? Yeah. And listen, like some yeah. of the movies I loved, some of the movies I didn't love, but like Mandalorian right. from like the minute that show started, it was like, they get it. They nailed this. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. And having, and, and those days with uh, Sudeikis and uh, Taika directing with Favreau on set producing, it was like that, I think that was, and you're, you're in the, the, the world and you're, you know, it's, it's, I think that was like the most exciting uh, work I've done where, and the most high pressure, uh, you know, Jason and I had a moment where like, we looked at each other and you, you can't see anything, but like the, the star Wars universe. And we were like, is this real? Um, and I don't know if I've had that on any other movie. Sonic the Hedgehog too. Saw the first movie, mm -hmm. ton of fun, really enjoyable. It's a good sign to making a second one. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if you're an actor and you're a part of like, whether it's a comic book, whether it's, you know, whatever the case may be, if they're doing a sequel, that means you guys did something right the first time. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, uh, 
won't he do it? <laughs> you know, like I feel so uh, lucky uh, to be to have any work, but to be on a part of a franchise is is really exciting. And I think we're going to do more of them and a bunch of different stuff. So I think, you know, uh, I'm I'm strapped in for the ride. What do you like most about being a part of, you know, like I grew up, it was Super Nintendo, it was Mario or it was Sega Genesis and like Sonic the Hedgehog. So when you get the call, when you get the pitch that you're going to be a part of like this, this like I- iconic brand that like so many kids grew up with, take me through what that was like. Uh, it was really exciting. Um, obviously, I played a lot of Sonic when I was a kid, but I think again, like personally, it was more exciting that I was going to be in a movie that where the main character was voiced by uh, my comedy partner. You know, I, 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 uh, I came up with Ben over 20 years ago and we've done um, a lot of amazing work together. Um, and so when I found out that he was the voice of Sonic and then I was in the movie and then we were able to like communicate through the like, you know, I would be like, hey, I had this line that I really liked if you could try to like improvise off it when you get there. because I think it'll be really funny and it's something for you. It's like to be creative in such a major way where the entire world gets to see it. And it's it feels like still Ben and I in his crappy apartment in Koreatown, you know, like so um, I think that was the most special part. Now, you're a New Yorker. We do a sports podcast here. What are your teams? I got to know. You got to <laughs> Please tell me you did not ditch any of the New York teams going to Chicago or going out to Los Angeles or whatnot. I hope you're still wearing NY on your sleeve. I never ditched anything. I am a uh, born loser of New York City. I am Mets, Knicks, Jets. Wow. Rangers. So you liked a lot of torture. Yeah. You were torture. like, a, so I got one. I got one. Punishment. I got one in 96 with the Rangers. And that was the closest I've not in 94. Yeah. 94. 94 I mean, yeah, with, yeah. with the Rangers. And that was the closest. Now, like, I remember even my aunt took me to the garden to watch the away games when they were in Vancouver or Edmonton. I Vancouver. Yeah. Vancouver, remember. Yeah. Um, and that, so that's the closest I've, I've been, but other than that, it's been a tough road. Um, but, and I, I like the, my dad is a Yankees fan. It's a diehard Yankees fan. So, so how I, did that I, happen? Dad's a diehard my Yankee mom, fan. My mom, my mom was a Met fan. Oh, so mom suckered you into rooting for the Mets. I see. It was easy. It was easy because, I, you know, I was born in 82. So oh, so you 86, ended up getting like Doc and Daryl yeah, from like, like the early 90s before they really turned to shit, basically. Yeah, from 86 to 89, they were the best team in the National League. So, and then, you know, it just, that's, that's who I liked. And then, and then. It, it was pretty, things were pretty good uh, when I lived in New York. You know, we went to the series. We, uh, um, 2001, we had a crazy run, you know, like we had some decent years with Piazza and, and that crew. So like, um, yeah, it's it's been a long haul and the Jets, uh, you know. They make you want to drink. I can understand that. They, they yeah. make you want to, they drive you to torture. Do you have a favorite New York athlete that you grew up watching? Ooh, that's a, what an amazing question. Um, yeah. Uh, I think probably like, um, when I was young, it was John Starks or Hubert Davis. Oddly. I love, How about Hubert Davis taking Carolina a, I, one I, win I away from proud, the championship? I feel proud of what he did. I mean, I, and he, I didn't go, I had nothing to do with North Carolina, you know, but like he's a Nick. Um, so I think those were my two. Also, I loved Hugh, uh, Alan Houston, uh, 
oddly, I like had a real soft spot for Allen Houston, even with that big contract, because I just loved his game. His game like was so pure. His shot Silky was so smooth, pure. man. When and, he was you know, cooking he, from three, he was cooking from three. And, and he could get you 50. I mean, he could get you 50 easy. And, you know, that team with him and Latrell, if it can be, if Ewing had been healthy, I mean, an LJ, that's a scary team. Well, they were um, the eighth seed. They beat the Heat. Yeah, but that was a shot. that was a that was a strike season too. Yes, so they would have never in a so million Ewing, years been an eight seed. Good call right. on that. Never in Ewing a million was years. Not how they, we would never have been an eight seed. I think you know we were probably a top seed, not one, but like somewhere in that top five. You know, so I think it, it would have been easier. And I think uh, so that yeah. Um, and then you know, as I was older, like David Wright was a rookie when I was like sixteen, and so he became like my Derek Jeter. You know, um, and uh, so I think those are my favorites. You probably have gotten to see some pretty cool sporting events. What's the coolest game you've ever show. been to in person? I saw Tom Brady's comeback against the Falcons at the Super Bowl. That's, that's pretty badass. Twenty-eight three. Not if you're a yeah. Falcon fan, but for anybody else, no, it's pretty badass. That was pretty fun. That was pretty cool to be at. I was there with Yasser Lester, my my good friend and uh, amazingly talented. Uh, we were on a show called Making History together and they were like at the last minute, like Saturday night before the Super Bowl, they were like, someone bowed out. Do you guys want to go to the Super Bowl? And we were like, yeah, where do we go? We'll be there right now. That's an easy call. And then yeah. you get to go to that game. You're like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we didn't think it was going to be that, obviously, but we just had a blast. We just had a blast. I tell you right now, Mets, Jets, Knicks, who wins a championship first? The Mets. Yeah, I think it's an easy call. I wanted yeah. to see if you were really delusional with the Knicks, if your heart no. was going to be pulling uh, some strings on you. I think you know better. You I'm know, so you reminisce about those 90s Knicks teams that I grew up with. And like every time like we'd roll around to like April and May, they'd be in the mix. They'd be playing in the playoffs. Now it's like they go every seven years without the playoffs. I know. The city would be on fire. It was you know, last year. June games. I mean, last year they made yeah, the playoffs. It was, it was off the rails. Yeah, um, you know, uh, I'm frustrated. I'm really frustrated with this this year. I think everyone is. But I do, I have such faith, maybe blindly, for the first time in Leon and Wes. And I just hope that they can figure figure a way to get to Tibbs to embrace some of these young kids because I like the young kids. And, and I think, hopefully, I just have a, I just feel like, Next year is going to be a different story. I know that's always a mix. Well, and I'm I, hopeful I, that maybe Julius Randle's playing somewhere else because listen, I think he will be. I uh, think he. I I'll think be he saying will some be. hail marys for that, please. If they're going to that contract, please. I think you got to be excited about RJ Barrett. Oh, and he. You know they haven't given a rookie a second contract since Charlie freaking Ward. Think about yeah, that for and a minute. That's they like twenty still years. Might, they still might not because I think that. Did you see that Bill Simmons report about how about him for? Donovan Mitchell. Well, that's the one guy I wouldn't want to trade for Donovan Mitchell. And I want Donovan Mitchell. Every Knicks fan why, should want Donovan why Mitchell. Why don't you want why why No, oh, I do. Would. I'm you just would. saying yeah, I no. don't want to trade Barrett. I want to hold on to Barrett. I don't I don't know if that's going to be possible. Me and neither. I'm like I'm, but a, I want I'm to try. okay. I'm I'm I'll, I want to try to but I'm okay with that. Like Donovan Mitchell's the one guy that I'm like go get him. Well, he's a New York guy. He's a big Mets fan. He understands the city like and They've and kind of like reached to, their apex with the Jazz. Like, they, there's like nowhere to, to go but down there. People like to play with him, too. Like, he's the type of guy, like, you get him in, maybe you re-sign Mitch, you ship out 
Julius for whatever. And all of a sudden you're a fast paced team, you know, that like God knows who like Giannis, Giannis's contract comes up. You know, oh, now, like you're, people, now you're really trying to pitch the, uh, the, the Hollywood in you is coming out a little bit. You're trying to pitch the, uh, no the storybook ending for the Knicks, you know? There's no way else to win in the NBA without stars. That's true. Stars. We don't have any stars. I don't think Giannis will be one of those guys. But Donovan Mitchell, you you got me well, I mean, you got me in on Donovan Mitchell. I don't I don't I'm just saying, like, Donovan comes this year, maybe. How about him, a point guard? I, I don't even think you and I have well, seen I think a point if you guard get Donovan, I think if you get Donovan, you don't need a point guard. Because he could kind of run the offense himself? It becomes like Allen Iverson style, you know what I mean? I'm still searching for a point guard. I mean, I'm just like, I, I, mean, that'd be I, great. I, I can't imagine it, all the great it, point it, guards over the years in the NBA and the Knicks haven't had any of them. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, uh, God, would it be sweet to sneak up into that top four this year in the draft? Say a prayer. Say a prayer. Final one. You know, and I appreciate the time. I was doing a little research before the interview. And seems like you're I, doing a lot of research. Well, no, I mean, listen, <laughs> I, I, I want to come prepared. You come prepared. You got a movie coming out. We're ready to rock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw in a Colbert interview, you asked out Jennifer Lopez. Is that a true story? Yeah. Well, I didn't ask her out. I, I well, I did ask her out, but it, it was as a bit. Okay. Uh, Still, nonetheless, during, I got to hear about this. <laughs> during Behind the Actors Studio, when I was at the Actors Studio as a kid, um, you could only graduate from there if you went to see a certain number of the James Lipton seminars. And I, of course, like, didn't do it. So with, like, a week left, I had to go see three of them. And J-Lo was one I, I got to go see. And it was great. I, I love Jennifer Lopez. But I obviously didn't have the same fandom as the people there. So when they're passing the mic around, I was just, like, trying to make my friends laugh. So I got up and I, I was basically like, I don't know if you like Jewish guys, but if you wanted to, like, catch a movie or something, we could rent Big Fish. She was like very funny about it. And did the I audience explode? I feel like the audience would have no, exploded. Oh, the they audience did not. did not laugh. They were not happy. It was very awkward. <laughs> See, I, I would have laughed. My, now, listen, maybe this is because I'm in a different stratosphere than you. If I was sitting in the audience there and you pulled that, I'd be laughing my ass off. Dude. Well, I'd be dead. I was, this was 20 years ago. So I feel like it was a different vibe. You mm. know, I, I still applaud the, the bravery. I do. I give Thank you credit you. for that. Um, Thank you. If there's one New York meal you must have, one restaurant, where is it, Adam? Oof, I don't know. I know, spicy. I'm putting you on the spot. There's got to be one. Like, there's one must have spicy rigatoni at Carboni. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. Um, one meal, you, you know, I would probably uh, have the, um, I would get Rayo's. I would just, like, do one last Rayos because I'm going to get heartburn and I'm going to like die that way anyway from a Rayos. So I might as well go out there. Go out with a bang. You know? Yeah. That's close to my house. So it's convenient and yeah. you know, you, you end it. Mm -hmm. Guns of also, I, I'd like to go out looking at a picture of handsome Joe Pesci. Oh, who could say no to that? Joe Pesci. Yeah, I mean, funny house. Voice, voice of an angel. Seriously. Adam, thanks so much for doing this, man. Continued success. Looking forward to the movie. All right. You too. Thank you so much for having me, dude. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough 
Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Man, it must be cool being in Hollywood in another life. Like in another life, that's maybe something I would want to do. In this current life, no. I, I, I don't see me and my talents making their way onto the, uh, the big screen. The small screen is enough. I mean, my acting performance for the SNY app wasn't exactly, uh, you know, Hollywood award winning. Let's just put it that way. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Funny, no more college basketball. It's baseball, basketball, hockey. Pro variety for basketball, of course. So what's on the card for Friday, bud? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. It's going to be for Friday the 8th. We got a baseball game. I'm going to take the San Francisco Giants minus the 135 over the Miami Marlins. It will be Webb versus Alcantara. So again, I'm going to take the Giants minus the 135. And always, everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Wow, Jeff Money. We are heads up on opening day, my friend. I like the Marlins. I think the Marlins, but Alcantara on the mound, spunky. I really like the under in that game. More than I like the Marlins as a side, I like the under at seven and a half. That is the game I'll be playing. Now, Mets minus 182 with Scherzer on the mound. Yankees minus 175 with Cole on the mound. A little aces, family, New York, New York. Yankee Met, two-team parlay, even money? Who says no? That's going to be our play for tomorrow. Yankees, Mets, two-team parlay. Who screws it up? Who screws it up? Garrett Cole better not suck tomorrow. That's all I'm going to say. I will be at Yankee Stadium. It will be rocking, I hope. You're out at Bodega. You're out at the stadium. Come say hello. But more importantly, after the game, I will let you know when because of traffic. But let's say around 6 o'clock, green room. Yankee reaction, little Mets mixed in, your calls. You guys know what to do. If you haven't joined, get on Spotify Green Room. It's a ton of fun. We'll post that as a pod. Then we're back on Sunday, and we'll start getting ready for the playing. We're getting closer and closer to the draft, and can Tiger Woods do the unthinkable at Augusta? Gorg Stefan, JJ, signing off from SNY tonight. It's been a day. Two TV shows, podcasts, Luga's dinner mixed in. We do what we do. Enjoy the baseball. Enjoy hopefully what will be a fabulous April week. Be good at fun. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.